Does everybody know what time it is? Yuletide. <laughs> oh, that's right. It's grunt work. Randy Claus. Here comes Randy Claus. Right down Randy Claus Lane. Al and Trudy are up on the roof hanging Christmas lights again. Bells are ringing, children singing, all's not merry and bright. So hang with Marty and say your prayers, because Randy Claus comes tonight, and because it's Grunt Work, the only podcast about the TV series Home Improvement to perfectly synchronize its recording schedule so that we always cover holiday episodes like three and a half weeks after the actual holiday. (laughs) So I'm sick of Christmas. I'm your host, Truman, the gingerbread house MD man caps. And with me, as always, mm. is my co-host, Landon, the sweet baby Saginaw Jesus man Solano. Landon. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, as, as you should. Melted. Uh, uh, it's good to see you. It's good to see you as well. I was just telling you before the oh, mic man. that uh, I, I thought I had uh, the talk singing this week. <laughs> and um, there's the perfect. Eminem song for it. Yeah. The, the guess who's back, guess who's back, oh, guess who's fuck. back. Randy's Randy. back. <laughs> Shit, that really, that really is perfect, Landon, and I need you to know that I have heard clips of the song Guess Who's Back. I never in a million years would have thought to do that. I feel like... I feel like I was just served a plate of, like, the best prime rib, and I just dumped ketchup on it doing Here Comes Santa Well, Claus. I, I kind of feel like the episode did that, so it's kind of fitting. I, you know what? I think I think that this episode, I think there was ketchup on the side, and this episode dipped far too many bites of the prime rib into the ketchup, but some <laughs> some parts were eaten unadorned. I'm sorry, for a vegetarian, I, I should probably be finding more accommodating language. Um <laughs> Okay, I but, used to eat meat. Okay, well, so I the metaphor is not lost on me. I guess you're right. I guess that kind of that kind of uh, infantilizes you to suggest that you can't comprehend eating meat. Uh, Landon, let me ask you though, because this this episode yeah. brought this up and it, and it made me think: Was your yep. family an open one present on Christmas Eve family? Uh, uh no, it was not at all. Uh, <laughs> Thank God, because those people are freaks. Although I'm trying to think back, I. I so our our family did it a little bit strange since we had such a large family. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I think I've mentioned before, and I don't want to get too lost in the details, but yeah, let's my do it. aunt, my okay, so my dad is one of five, and Oof. one of those five is a uh, uh, an aunt. They had one sister, mm-hmm. and she had seven kids, <sighs> and each of those kids have had kids at this point so it's like like game of Thrones that was very large here yeah yeah and so we would do christmas eve with the entire family um and i seem to remember back in the day maybe something had been exchanged with the kids you know like one little thing or you know like an uncle when he still thought there was you know obligation to have to get something small for everyone would give <laughs> the kids something but oh God. nothing is really sticking in my mind, but as far as like the the main Christmas stuff goes, uh, no, we were all always do it on Christmas morning. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I what knew. About you? I, I mean, it, it it was same for me. I didn't know anyone who did it on Christmas Eve. Although I realized, though, after taking such a strident 
uh, anti-opening presents on Christmas Eve stance, I then did remember when you talked about your family get-togethers that I, too, would get together with my entire family, at least on my father's side, and uh, at my grandparents' house in Portland, and there everyone would give presents to me, and I would open all of the presents from extended family. I mean, I guess Mm. everyone exchanged gifts. Well, or really, my grandparents would give checks for $50 to each of their four children, and I was the only grandchild. The My father's three siblings, none of them had kids. So, like, I had the opposite of your deal. I had the smallest possible family. So, for me, it was basically a, just a mountain of fun toys for me on Christmas Eve from people I didn't know very well. But then the <laughs> ones from, quote-unquote, Santa and my parents, that those were strictly Christmas Day. Yeah. Well, I I mean, I I had that on the opposite side of my family. That was just my dad's side. My mom is an only child. I'm an only child. And so I I didn't uh, I didn't realize you were two generations, Landon. That's beautiful. Oh, my God. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I know. God, it's It's a Christmas miracle. Generation only child. And I I also I'm airing out too much information here, but I've been pretty. Uh, uh, vocal about the fact that I don't want kids. Yes. Um, this is neither here nor there to what we're talking about, but um, one thing that's always been apparent is that uh-huh. in order to pass on the Solano name, mm-hmm. <laughs> it falls to me and my cousin. And I, I'm, I, I can't speak for him. I don't know what his situation is, but I don't know that we want <laughs> that. That's gonna happen. I think the Solano name is dead. <laughs> oh, it's gonna it's gonna die with the Caps name, my brother in Christ. Like I'm in the I'm in the same boat. There's this is. The are you old, really? Yeah. No. There's no. There are no other Caps except me, and this one is not having kids. So I mean, let's let's hold hands and and walk our family lines into the twilight together. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, oh my! Look, there was another only child who mm. um who had a pretty wild family and his name was Jesus mm. and he was born oh, on Christmas yeah. day wasn't um, he just so landon what happened this week if you would on home improvement and how does it relate oh, to our savior jesus I, I will tell you and i hope you're ready for some poetry i i always am it's christmas again huzzah where is the damn escape clause when you need it? <laughs> Randy is back home for a visit to his fam. Everything has changed. Is the saying true? Can no one go home again? Is home even real? That's <laughs> really hitting, hitting the hard questions with this synopsis this week. It's 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 like it's a very existential. It's existential even for a haiku. You know, I, it, it like it, it, it. There's a certain question left open by it that's really quite arresting. Some of your some of your finest work. Do you want to guess the title of this episode? Yes, I do. I have three options. Uh, okay, for this title, first one, up on the housetop. Ooh, yeah, I like that. That's yeah. very very apropos of what happens in this episode. A lot of lot of decor themes. A lot of roofs in this episode. Um. <laughs> Next option. Okay. You'll never walk alone. Ooh. So okay. I, I, was, I was in the other room having lunch, and I thought of that, and I had to get up and run into my office to write it down. It was too good <laughs> to let sit for even a moment. You might ask, why is there only one set of footprints in the snow? <laughs> uh, that's because I pushed you aside and ran myself <laughs> to get to my laptop. Um, last one. Okay. F- Feliz Randy Dodd. F- 
Phillies Rondi Dodd, I guess. Hmm? <laughs> uh yeah, I, I feel like he could be a little more enthusiastic. I think it's it's actually okay. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, that's the that's that's the amount of laughter I was hoping for. I, you know, the thing is when you give me a, a title like that, I'm always like I'm staring at the actual title of the episode and trying to judge whether or not which one which one I I I want to send to the gallows. Oh, wow. Okay. So, I guess I'm glad I got the I I got the thumbs up from Caesar on the other two. Um <laughs> Okay, what, what, uh, so did did I guess it? Like, where where are we at? What are you we did not. At here? Okay, um, uh, this is a pretty on the nose title. I mean, it's it's not a bad one. It's not Jill's birthday, you know, but um, it's it, it's it's pretty on the nose. I think you could guess it if you didn't try too hard. I feel like that's a setup, man. You know, I never try. Uh... <laughs> There's no pun. There, it's just kind of is what it is. Mm. What is Randy? Prodigal son? <laughs> it's not a Christmas I, I story. Mean, what, what's what's his whole mission statement here? Uh, the um, c- coming home. Yeah, for coming. Oh, coming home for Christmas. I'll be home for Christmas. Tell me they didn't call it. I'll be home for Christmas. I wish they did. I I had to look to see what the name of this movie was. But they, they said... no, it's called Home Home for the Holidays. Home for the Holidays. Ooh, yeah, that's also a Christmas song. I. If we'd hit this one before Christmas or on Christmas, I would have probably put that as one of my options, but I had to block out mm. so much Christmas content. Yeah, right? Oh, oh yeah. my goodness. Home for the Holidays aired on December 8th, 1998, directed by Peter Bonners and written by John Vandergriff, all-star writer at this point. Yeah. Truman, how'd you feel about this, our last Christmas episode? Uh, we, I Last week... Uh, I think, or the week before that, I I proposed the notion of jump joy, a jump scare, but it's a, just a completely unexpected yes. thing that makes you happy. And this is the uh, greatest clarification of that when uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas walks into the house. <laughs> oh my God! Um, so that that was a real that was real great, and I think we can agree this episode didn't. You know, I, I don't think it reached. I don't think this episode was all it could be. I think that it was yeah. uh, it hobbled in some places, but I still was re- like, it wasn't as good as the last two episodes we've watched, but I think on an emotional level, it's a total banger. And I think mm. that um, it, I, I'm kind of impressed that they took the episode where their brightest light makes an unexpected cameo and used it to tell kind of a nuanced and complicated story about what it's like to move away from home and watch people who you love get older and change over time. Um, yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, I, I I think we've seen this in the past where the show tackles an issue that's like, I don't know, something you don't normally see on a sitcom where it's like, oh, that's a that's a real true to life thing mm-hmm. that you need a certain amount of familiarity and and experience with characters to be mm-hmm. able to even begin to tell that story. Yeah. Like, this couldn't have been a season one episode. No. You know, you needed to go the eight seasons in order to, like, have so have space for someone to leave and come back so that you can... And have someone at the age that Randy is. Like, mm-hmm. there's so many elements that need to be in place for this to even be considered... Uh, a topic to to touch upon so i really give it credit for that and you know 
I connected to it and that the concept of it in a really big way. But at the same time, it, it feels a little too fluffy. I don't feel like they made a full meal out of having Jonathan Taylor Thomas come back and like, I don't know if I should reveal or not. This is the last time we see him. Like he doesn't oh, come back for the finale. He's not back for the <laughs> finale. Oh, so like this is this is the send off, and to me it kind of undercuts the send off that we had earlier in the season. Fuck, I I'm sorry that like that kind of like physically affected me. I'm I'm not even gonna lie. I am deflated a little <laughs> bit and thrown off by the knowledge. I'm not. I I thought sure I was gonna see him in the finale. Fuck. No, this is it. He's he is officially that's a wrap on Jonathan Taylor Thomas for grunt work, everyone. Dude, this is like a snuff film making me learn this like on the air. You're watching <laughs> Boys Dreams Dying right now. Um Well, I, I I it's I had to make a Sophie's choice. Do I tell you now so that you can prepare for the finale and not see him or do I let you experience the disappointment for yourself? Wow. Well, you know, hey, you know, you you protected me from the far worse fate. I mean, look, Landon, I got to say, dude, you would be a great dad if you know, that's that's uh <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. That changes my assessment a little bit. Like I'm, I still think it's a really, uh, I think it's it it's really interesting how the episode does all that, you know, and tells the kind of story about him feeling overlooked. But when I realize now this was their their total send off for him, yeah, it definitely does kind of cheapen adios, which I think was. You know, now I feel like it just kind of reopened the wound <laughs> that was left by Jonathan Taylor <laughs> Thomas leaving. Yeah, we were having right. a perfectly good time. You had to come back and get us all distracted about how great you are. And then, <laughs> uh, I, not to blame JTT, he was doing his own thing. Um, yep. Okay, look, I, I I will say, though, and this is something to be expanded upon in the deep dive, Tim and Al going head-to-head in the Christmas decoration competition, also conceptually a perfect idea. Like, yes. on, on just... Oh, man. Like, when they announced, you know, at the beginning of the episode, you know, and Al is talking about, oh, I've moved into Tim's neighborhood, and so that means I'm eligible for the decoration contest. I just kind of, like, I put my hands to my head, and I was like, oh, my God, how did I not think of this? This is amazing. <laughs> and not nary a mention of Doc... Uh, Doc, Doc Johnson. Johnson. Yeah, no, I mean... Did is that is that is that Doc Johnson's house that they bought and moved Al into? Oh, maybe <laughs> if it's I didn't I guess I didn't put together before that the house that Tim bought that Al is renting is in the neighborhood. It, it's, I thought it was you know in the city, but I guess I didn't think it was like on his street. Yeah, no, it's like around the corner or something. It's not it's not like close enough as Wilson's mm. to be adjacent, but I feel like it's like on the other side of Wilson or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. I I don't know. I that that is great, and I. I feel like I say this a lot, and maybe it's unfair to say it all the time, that, oh, I wish this had been its own episode. Maybe they tried. Maybe there's not enough jokes there for that to be a whole episode. Um, I don't know. I, I like the idea, and I'm sorry that they came to it this late. And I feel like it didn't also didn't go quite as high or as far as it could, because... Agreed. Yeah, a- I, you know, I kind of... This is where I'm conflicted, where I'm like, I like all of the ideas in the episode, I would. I just feel like mashing what has so much weight to it, i.e., the Randy storyline, with the levity and the the slapstickness of what could come from the competition storyline, just end up disappointing on both. It's. I have a friend that has a a, a really interesting metaphor on life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he calls it the hybrid bike theory, which is. You can get a mountain bike, you can get a city bike. 
or you can get a hybrid bike. Mm-hmm. The mountain bike and the city bike are going to be really great at the one thing that they do. Mm-hmm. Or you can get the the hybrid bike that is going to be not as good at either of those two things. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> but still do the both of those things. Yeah. And I kind of feel like this is the hybrid bike of you know those two potentialities. It, it, Tim Allen just with steam shooting out his ears at the thought of somebody using bike metaphors to describe his work. <laughs> like at least use cars. At least compare it to a different type of big block engine. Well, we got some bikes to talk about next episode. So oh boy. We'll see uh see how that holds up. Um I think the show is, it tends to be very good at uh, contrasting kind of slapdish, um, slapstick wackiness with really emotionally heavy stuff. I think the show can do that. Mm-hmm. And I think that just in this case, yeah. it's like, you know, we needed a B plot with kind of a pinch of slapstick, like kind of to the to the level of like the, the B plots in the last couple episode. It's like, oh, Mark is trying to Mike Mark just talking to this girl who he likes, but not really listening to her. So it's one scene of him getting the idea to do it. And like one, he's in the background of a scene on the phone and then it's him out in the back, but just like very quick and out of the way stuff that doesn't take up much real estate. So the main story can breathe. I think we, yeah. And the, and the, the fact that Tim and Al are competing for the, uh, for the decoration contest crown, that is, um, that's more than a pinch. That's a dollop. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. There's too, just too many ingredients in the stew here. Yes. Um, I would. I, I either want like a nice thick chili or I want tomato soup. You t- you're talking about we're talking about chili a lot on the podcast, just generally. I guess it's the winter months. <laughs> this is a home improvement podcast. I, I mean, I'm a vegetarian, so I'm not about to put kielbasa in it. But mm. uh, you know, maybe 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 impossible kielbasa. No. Oh, okay. Okay. You know what? I think. I think. You could probably sell Tim uh, Taylor on an impossible kielbasa because you you think of it as a challenge and not even realize that it's not real meat. Um, (laughs) I I think the only other thing about the episode I'd say is that conceptually, you know, there are a lot of really good kind of bold concepts here. And what I like (laughs) is that this and the last two episodes, they all have a very last season of the show energy. Like now... You, the, mm. there were a few where it was like what are we doing this is the last season of the show and this is just like a rehash mm. of something this is this is stupid here they're they're putting their whole ass into the show <laughs> we'll talk more in the deep dive but i feel like this yeah. one even though it doesn't achieve they got their foot on the gas and they're trying stuff and i like that yep yeah i i think they do realize oh shit we are heading into like our last half season and we gotta start to you know whether inherently or intentionally, amp up those vibes a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yes. Vibes sometimes must be amped. But look, let's amp up the <laughs> vibes of this episode by talking about this episode in great detail. Wouldn't you say? Let's let's dust off the boxes in the basement, untangle the string lights, test every bulb, pull out the cardboard elves, the life-size wise guys statues, uh, <laughs> the rotating turntables, harpoon guns, an apple pie, two sets of puff Adler snakes, gin and juice, 12 French hens, bo- the bones of a firstborn child, an application to the CIA, a DVD copy of Downton Abbey Season 2, Disc 3, uh, set up the ladder, get the staple gun, and decorate the deep dive. <laughs> Uh, you know, I typically, my family, we would not open gifts on Christmas Eve, and we would only decorate with uh, Downton Abbey Season 1 discs. We felt that was what the Bible really <laughs> wanted us to do. How how much did, so, okay, so, all right. It's Christmas, let's just get it out there, let's just get it out in the open. Yeah, the first thing we see is the grunt creep wearing a Santa hat shoveling snow, and a certain viewer's heart sinks at the realization of what's going to happen. Uh, but they're yeah. doing... 
Tool Time, live from Al's rooftop. They're talking about how to put up Christmas lights safely. The key to this is that Al and Heidi have not allowed Tim to put up any Christmas lights. They're very happy about this. Al explains that this is his first Christmas in the new house in Tim's neighborhood, which means that now he will be competing in the famous local uh, Christmas decoration competition. And uh, then they go to commercial for Saginaw Cheese. And during the break, uh, there's a lot of um, uh, competitive joshing between Tim and Al about who's going to win the competition. And then Al reveals that his wealthy girlfriend, Trudy, is here to bankroll his entry in the uh, uh, decoration (laughs) competition. And, uh, oh, man, and you just start rubbing your hands together thinking about the possibilities ahead. Oh, don't you, though? I have a number of things to talk about here. Okay. Um, one thing I want to mention right out the gate. Uh, it's easy to overlook, but the Grunt Creep puts together a snowball, throws it at the screen. Mm-hmm. The screen is filled with snow. Mm-hmm. Heidi wipes off the lens and then introduces to- tool time. So breaking that down... <laughs> Okay, yeah. The the Grim Creek doesn't exist. (laughs) Yeah. The the snow that he throws on the lens doesn't exist. So they had to go to Debbie Dunning and go, Debbie, just trust us. Wave your hand in front of the lens before you introduce tool time and we'll take care of the rest. So this this really does confirm that, at at least at this point in the process, transit... Like the show was almost being written around transitions at this point. Like they they <laughs> yeah. knew on set what the grunt creep was going to do to start this episode off. Yeah, which to to a degree makes sense because they they the transitions are so I don't know involved now that they would require some level of um I don't know some level of planning before you know like they they go. Once they have the scripts in hand, uh, they're like, okay, we got to start planning the transitions long before you shoot them so that we can, you know, have the actors actually interact with the camera and stuff. So, yeah. Now now that I look back, you know, that we're in the final season and I look back on the, the five, nearly six years we've been making this podcast, I know we've talked about the transitions on home improvement quite a lot, probably more than most podcasts talk about the transitions on home improvement. It still feels <laughs> like we don't talk about them enough because they are so weird. And yes, and I think that you and I are desensitized to it because we have to we watch the show so much and we have to pay such close attention just imagine showing a normal civilian who doesn't watch the show (laughs) like i'm sure a compilation of all of the transitions exists on youtube somewhere yeah i I mean that must and and we'd look at that and just be like yeah okay okay, yeah whatever but like a normal person (laughs) would die it's like that it's like that tweet about if you took like a peasant from the 1600s and gave him a a doritos locos uh you know nacho or something (laughs) like one one bite of a dorito would uh, kill him with the flavor um (laughs) anyway um yeah but yeah, so but it is uh, it is also I think this this whole episode that they're so much they're spending so much time on the roof and the roof set is pretty elaborate that they've built. There is like a drop off. They've got the camera. They're yeah. they've got the camera for tool time up on a crane to be shooting up there to make it look like we're at a great height. It's it's a convincingly done rooftop. I I have a theory though 
because we only see Al's rooftop, I'm putting that in air quotes, from a very specific angle, and mm-hmm. we only see the Taylor rooftop from a very specific angle. I bet it's the same set that it just extends, and they were very careful how they framed it so that, um, you know, they they very clearly delineate, okay, this side of the stage is going to be for Al's house, this side of the stage is going to be for Tim's house. Dog. Dog. I just figured it out. Oh, no. This is what... This is the set they were building earlier in the season. This is why Tool Time was on location so much. They they put this on the sound stage where they had the 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 Tool Time stage, the Tool Time set. They were building this roof. Mm. Eh? I th- I I don't know. Eh? I think they've got I think home improvements in its last season. It's eh? it's high enough rating. They I bet they had the hangar space to create a new set. I well, I mean, so they certainly had the hangar space for a cavern in last episode. I look <laughs> I I, look, I don't I don't know. It just would kind of make sense. I mean, I don't know. I th- think about it. Just think about it for a while. It might it, this might grow on you as time as time goes on. Um, okay, all right. Well, I do have a question. I mean, because yeah. once again, we we haven't seen Tool Time. You know, like, are they doing something else to the set? Like, I keep feeling like they're building toward. I mean, not intentionally. There's a distraction tech tactic, but like. Every time they go on location, I'm like, well, what are they doing to the Tool Time set? Because you've got to imagine it's got to get bigger and bigger and bigger every time. You know, the the less episodes we have with Tool Time, they've got to do more and more to it. <laughs> what was Last week was the, the, the foam insulation getting everywhere, right? Yeah, yeah. A, yeah. Uh, you know, a, a great all-time Tool Time bit, but also very brief and one shot and barely right. utilizing the set. Every time they're not on the Tool Time set, basically, it's like you're getting misdirected and you're waiting for the prestige. And every time you don't get it, you're like, it's got to be bigger and bigger. <laughs> Heaven forbid there are multiple Tim Allens and water tanks below yeah. the, the Tool Time set. <laughs> that's honestly, if that's all there is in tanks below the Tool Time set, I'm going to call that a win. Um, <laughs> Actually, they'd be oil tanks. <laughs> uh, okay, well, look, what, what else uh, What else have you got uh, from uh, from up on the rooftop, up on the housetop, as um, it were? Yeah, this is my first Christmas in a house. Oh yeah, yeah I did didn't you... decorate. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sending a message to the neighborhood. There, there was no, um, there was no competition. Maybe if there was a competition and a prize involved, I would have gotten gotten into it. I, I have but... like a little tiny tree that I put out um, with some some ornaments and stuff on. I just set it on my like, uh, you know, nightstand or what do you call it, side table, mm-hmm. sidebar. Yeah, yeah. What are they called? Side... I, I, well, I don't know what you're describing, so I don't really know what they're called. Like, <laughs> like bedside table? All your wine glasses and shit. Yeah, wait, wait, the, the, well, is this by your bed, or is this just like, is no, this a no. credenza? It's in, the, it's in the living room, uh, slash kitchen. Um, the, the side thing. I, I, how much... you put all your wine glasses and your wine bottles and your drink stuff. I, you're the one who I, watches Bob Vila, dude. How do you not know what this is called? I'm sorry. I, I don't drink. I have three pieces of furniture at my house. They're all made by Ikea. I don't know. Is it a Calax <laughs> or a Moss Joe? Um... <laughs> anyway, yes. I just have a little tiny tree that I put out. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't decorate either. Or I didn't decorate. I shouldn't say either. Al did. He was excited about it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, my parents my parents used to decorate, and we decorate inside the apartment, but we don't really put anything up outside. Because I guess mm-hmm. part of it's because we live in an apartment, but also it's like, well, okay, if I'm going to put in the effort 
to decorate, I think I should be the only one enjoying it. Like, I don't want other people to walk by and get the, the <laughs> Christmas cheer for free. Like, right. b- b- you know, if you if you want to see decorations, either be my friend and come in my house or put up your own damn decorations. <laughs> you don't get to just look at my shit. Well, I, I uh, drove down to Florida for the holidays. This is mm-hmm. another reason why I don't decorate is like, I'm not around to see it. So I'm like, I'm not yeah. going to put all the effort in and then not be able to enjoy it. Like... Yeah, I put it up for because I put it up after Thanksgiving. So I really only have two or three weeks before I drive down to Florida. And it's like, that's not worth the amount of effort that goes into it. Yeah. Um, But when when I drive down to Florida at at Christmas or the holidays, um, I always know once I'm in my parents' neighborhood, I always drive in at night and I always know which house it is, even though they all look the same, because it's like bright festive lights everywhere and then just a dark spot on the stream <laughs> man it's um we we have we have somewhat similar parents i think people who did, <laughs> did they ever did they ever decorate and it's just that now they've been like eh. we when we had the house in michigan um i think we kept one string of lights in a tree out front <laughs> that was like not even straightly put it it was the most pathetic looking <laughs> display ever it was like wrapped around but not evenly distributed just like kind of clumpy and diagonal and cockeyed and it was only that it's just one tangled up ball of mostly broken lights sitting in front of the tree (laughs) kind of yeah it would that wouldn't have been much worse uh yeah so yeah I, i don't think I mean, when in my childhood, I think we did a little bit more, um, but it just got to be too much. I mean, we had a, I don't know, like a pretty precarious yard, um, so it, it was difficult to do anything. Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, as we've as we've learned from this show, also uh, the best way to get injured is trying to put up Christmas decorations. So it's <laughs> and and all of yeah. you know, and and a whole generation of parents watched this and still went ahead and uh, would bling out their houses every year for their children's delight. <laughs> um. Okay. Here's what else I got for this scene. Yeah. Uh, I don't go in for that sort of thing. That was the okay. That was the guy who. Oh yeah, Milton. Yeah, he brings them. Milt. He, yeah. yeah, Milt. He brings some coffee. Yeah. So he both so, works. Milt. Milt works for Tool Time. So do you think? Do you think that Tool Time hired him after the like second or third time Tim acted briefly gay around him and he was put off? It was like Tim was like trying to. No, no. I'll show you how not gay I am. Here, come, come work for my Tool Show where there's hot girls and big cars. I work on vroom vroom like that. Do you think that's that's how Milt got into the mix? I I don't know. Uh, I mean, I like to think that he worked for Tool Time before they, you know, just like oh, we need someone for this scene. Can you, Milt? Can you step in? <laughs> Which I, it goes to my theory that this whole show is scripted. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's like the first we have a character, Milt. Milt, will you step in and play this character as a, a masseuse? <laughs> Please. Well, yeah, but the first time they meet Milt is at as at the bar with the stinky what Harry's You're or Henry. Right. No, yeah, like they're like Tim tries they, to cut they, in and he's like and he's it's says, like he doesn't know him, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I don't go in for that sort of thing. That was the first time. Maybe he was distracted by Jack Alam in the corner staring at him, but uh <laughs> Yeah, it's good. That's it, a good you know, point. Yeah, I don't know. I also don't know how he had the coffee up on the roof so quickly. He comes running into the scene and hands Tim and Al cups of coffee, for, and he's like already up on the roof. So it's like, have they got like a have they got craft services on the snowy roof? That cannot be safe. <laughs> it's just like a little scaffolding. 
uh, <laughs> where you can climb up real quick. Yeah, a nice, a nice icy, slippery scaffolding beside the house. <laughs> um, yeah. Other than that, oh, also, also happy always to see a plug for Saginaw cheese. Cheese, it's good. Uh, really, <laughs> just really missed it. I was kind of hoping they'd all start doing the dance that they did in that other episode, where they're like kind of pumping, <laughs> pumping their arms up and down, and the, as the music plays. <laughs> Uh, oh my god I hope by the end of this they have like a, a whole theme song they have to recite I, I mean I mean listen we have how many more episodes to get that to get that locked in I don't know oh I could just 15. I could see it where they like you know how like uh, they stand in a line and one person goes up and the other person you know two people go down and they just <laughs> do, 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 up and down yeah real sing the song yeah real Oktoberfest vibes from the whole thing <laughs> um I know, but that's all I got for this scene. Uh, I, I thought it was kind of a well. Here, okay, so it ends on like this gigantic inflation, inflated uh, Santa being, you know, uh, peering above the horizon uh, behind the house, and to mix a, you know, Al's mom joke, which is kind of dumb, but uh, he makes a joke about Al's weight again. Yeah, I Richard Carn has not looked better on this show. Like, no, he is trim. I, he he is just he's looking fine. I'm I'm not ashamed to say it. I, no, I this is something that I've I've noticed, and I think we I don't know. It's a thing that I even kind of try not to call out as as much. Like maybe when in the previous episodes this happened as well. But just they've been going after Al's mom a lot. Like yeah. I, I know they do it a lot, but they've been doing it like it's it's been multiple times per episode a lot it's like they're really th- it's that also seems to have last season energy of how how many more times can we make fat jokes yeah. basically how, how i'm not th- gonna grunt anymore but let's replace it with you know what's the other thing that people love l mom jokes yeah like just i don't know and again i, I get that this is like a character who is not you know present on screen or whatever it's just that they fall back on fat jokes <laughs> so much and it's it, yeah. you know that that's yeah, um agreed yeah also <laughs> I, I also want to say huge santa inflating from behind the house is hilarious and it also yes i i, I somehow i compare it to in the muppet movie when you see just animal grow super huge and burst out of that saloon and he scares away all of uh, <laughs> all the bad guys uh you know kind of like that i yeah and then i, I wish animal would just pluck you know, Tim up and, and toss him away in, in you know, defense of, of Al's mom <laughs> and her honor. We can only hope. Um, but that takes us to the theme song. Now, Truman. Uh, <laughs> oh, gross. I'm just, no, I'm just saying mm, uh, that, that grunt at the beginning. Can you off guard? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, so you, you, you're noticing hidden grunts, but uh, did you notice hidden. this was your, your first inclination? There should have been that JTT was back for this episode. His uh, he has a, a title card in this. You know, this is the thing. I I the opening <laughs> credits for me. That's the one part part. I'm like, oh god, okay. I don't have to have hawk like attention to every detail. I can like catch up on my notes. I can breathe for one second before the maelstrom of well, the episode begins. Your your novel of notes from the cold open at full time on location. I I I hate to say it, Landon, but I am. I don't know why I even take all these notes because I don't really have that much to say about them, and I tend to have a pretty good memory for things I see on sitcoms. So I don't, I don't need to be doing this. I didn't take notes in any of my classes in college, mind you. But oh, I'm taking notes on every fucking episode of Home Improvement and saving them. They're all saved. Uh, we should put together a book. No, 
No, we shouldn't. That would be if we do. That would be the first book that I would support banning and burning. Um, <laughs> okay, um, but, but okay. So yeah, so JTT gets a title card again. That's really cool that they gave him his old slot back. I think contractually probably had to, but yeah, you're right. Well, okay, you're right. That's that's cool that JTT's representatives uh, got that in his contract. <laughs> so we're we're back at the Taylor house, and uh, yeah. uh, the fam is making a gingerbread house with Marty's daughters, and uh, mm-hmm. Brad has eaten a bunch of candy for the house, and Jill dispatches him, to, like, a bunch of the candy that they're going to use as building materials. Jill dispatches him to the store to get more candy, and uh, Tim comes home and is just sort of generally uh, expressing to Jill that he's upset that Al is entering the Christmas lighting contest, and it's unfair that his girlfriend is bankrolling him. So. So, Truman. Landon. What was your first impression? Use your, your word pictures oh, to boy. bring us into your your thoughts and feelings and experience of the moment you realized, oh, the twins are still here. Uh. Wait, I mean, it's from a, just, you know, and again, mainly mainly my thought was like, how am I going to talk about this on the podcast without going after two little girls? Um, Yeah, you know, they're they're back. You you encapsulize it really well earlier in the season, uh, or it might even been last season with with Willow, the the Scrappy-Doo theory. That they just they just had to what that they had to add uh, a cute kid or in the absence of of, of JTT, JTT yeah. right yeah I mean yeah I guess so I mean because th- this is the thing this is what's difficult is that I conceptually a really good idea I really like the fact that they've got two new kids under the roof two young children in a house with a couple teenage boys two little girls in a house with teenage boys. Marty in the house. I I love that they're doing this and that they're going with this as a running storyline throughout the season. I think it's shaking up the show in a lot of really interesting ways. I am just sort of like, are, are these, why, why were these the the two actresses who were chosen? (laughs) I'm not Mm. trying to, I'm Mm -hmm. just, I, I, they're, they are given the, I think the sort of thankless task of being given some kind of, heavy stuff to to work with i mean for children and it's just like they have had other child actors on the show in the past who i think would have been better with the material and so i am all the kids that were the boys friends growing up yeah yeah yeah, all at the at the parties that they had the the kids like you know little their first girlfriends and stuff on the show like those child actors are out there and i i you know but they so, weren't twins. They weren't twins, but did we, I mean, did we have to have them be twins? I know they talked about there being twins before, but the two the two girls in The Shining aren't twins, but they're referred to as twins, <laughs> and they're the two most iconic <laughs> twins in cinema. I, it, movie magic, they don't actually have to look alike. <laughs> um, well, okay, I, I've got another take on this. Yeah. Not, that has nothing to do speaking to these particular actors mm. um i i don't think we've mentioned this on air yet okay but there was an article that was passed between us um <laughs> an article of clothing a pair no, of traveling an pants of writing. If you will. oh <laughs> an article of writing um that what and i i wish i remembered where it was so that i wouldn't quote 
out of you know uh out of touch here but i wish i could remember what it was it basically it said that um patricia richardson acknowledged that the final season of home improvement caused a rift between her and tim allen that they then mm-hmm. repaired and mm-hmm. she appeared on on last man standing but yeah that they had floated by tim allen the idea of well what if we kill jill off mm-hmm. and i'm wondering if this is the producers going well what if we kill jill and then the show is tim having to raise his brother and his two nieces in addition to seeing randy or uh, uh brad and and mark you know eventually leave the house leave the nest Shit. like what if that's the next rendition of home improvement and through the following seasons damn it you know that's really a cool idea that would be terrible like it's a <laughs> <laughs> i i mean i with if it if not for the fact that Jill is one of like the, the best part of the show and that the sh- and that Tim without Jill does not work like if it was someone different mm-hmm. as Tim and Tim was a different guy played by a different person the notion of his wife dies his brother has moved back in with him he's raising two little girls he's got two teenage boys that's a really interesting family dynamic especially if you bring into it the 8 years of history we have with the taylors like that could be yeah. that could be real cool but just not and and the history that the tim character has with the marty character having already yes. raised him yes having already raised him and having already processed the trauma of a loved one dying and you know, having to be there for his boys after that. I mean, this is a this is BoJack Horseman levels depressing for a sitcom. But <laughs> well, right, yeah. one one guy is dealing with the death of his wife, and the other is dealing with the death of his marriage. Like, obviously, it's not you know equivalent, but they're both having to go through something and finding a way forward through raising their children. You know what, Landon? Get out the parchment and quill. Let's write this as a pilot. It sounds really good. <laughs> I heard three camera sitcoms are coming back, so maybe. Yeah, yeah. But could we do that by killing Tim off and keeping Jill? I mean, that's the thing. Did we not feel... I kind of feel like we organically came up with that idea already (laughs) where we suggested something about Tim going away and then Marty becoming the new Tim. No, no. I mean, I know we've talked a lot about the show without Tim and ways to affect that, but I feel like within the last three episodes, we were reminiscing not reminiscing but we were theorizing about how cool it would be if just marty slipped into the dad role and tim wasn't there anymore right um because that would also be good we're just everything everything sounds like a good idea when tim taylor isn't the main character of the show there's so many (laughs) ways you can slice this into a show that we like more um boy yes what else uh have you got here though for uh you know for for this scene uh nothing that's worth time i like gingerbread houses I, I like the way that, you know, Jill is looking for for more of the building materials and then finds that Brad has eaten all of it. And just the way that <laughs> yeah. the way that she scolds Brad is like she's like she's laughing as she does it. She's saying, oh, you, you know, you jerk. Come on, get to the store. Buy more of it. Come on. She sends him off. And, it, and it's just it's just really it's just really warm and kind of endearing that yeah. she's laughing at this antic, which, you know, I. <laughs> Well, it wouldn't happen in real life, but I just like the kind of relationship it suggests. <laughs> that she's like, "Oh, you idiot! Come yeah. on, go, go to the store. I love you." Like, yeah. 
Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't know. It sets a I don't know, it sets a good tone for for the rest of the episode, and I, I mean, it sets the like camaraderie that is going to be what is the basis for the exclusion to Randy in a minute. Yes, exactly. Um, so in the next scene, uh, the whole family, girls included, and Marty are uh, are decorating the tree, and Tim, meanwhile, is getting out decorations for the house. They have a very militarized theme, wise men with spear guns, etc. Uh, his intention is to <laughs> pop the massive balloon Santa. And, um, you know, he's been having the boys do some spying and reconnaissance over at Al's house, and then as the boys are reporting back about what's happened, uh, Randy walks in the front door, uh, the crowd goes nuts, the podcasters go nuts, uh, and then, um, you know, the... Randy is kind of like greeted by everyone, but then the chaos of the girls being there and the girls suddenly being really sad that they don't get to spend Christmas with their entire family united the way that Randy does. They run off upstairs and then there's some, you know, the Brad comes in and tells Tim that he's got to come out and see this new thing that Al is doing at the Christmas decorations. And everybody just kind of says a quick hi to Randy and then rushes out of the room, leaving Randy all alone. So guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Um, Randy, I, I, I was, I mean, did you know this was coming? Were you shocked? I did know this was coming. Yes. Um, so no, I was not shocked when, when you saw it for the first time, did your, did your mind explode? (laughs) I don't, I honestly don't remember, uh, a lot from this last season. There's one episode I do remember very distinctly that we haven't got to yet, but Mm -hmm. a lot of this, yeah, has kind of left my brain. Wow, I, I, so, I'm going to remember this forever. I'm going to remember the unexpected <laughs> appearance of Jonathan Taylor Thomas. I I will now, yeah. And, and this is, I think, and I don't want to brag or anything, but I feel like my experience is the purest because the, if you were watching this in broadcast, you had seen a million promos about Jonathan Taylor Thomas coming back. I had no idea, so I was, <laughs> I, you know, I could yeah. just get the full shock of it. I had no spoilers. Yeah, yeah. Well, so then we should be looking to you for, for your pure experience. I mean, no, no. How did you feel when the the door opened and you know to rapturous applause? I well, what I noticed is that I mean, I gasped and and was shocked. But then what I noticed <laughs> when I rewound the scene to watch it again was that uh, the the crowd is stunned into silence. It seems like for a second <laughs> before going apeshit. They like they cannot believe their eyes. Is this <laughs> who I like, think it is? Are we watching a rerun? But wait. We're live. Can we see a rerun live? Is that how they just have people reenact things? Is that how reruns are made? Yeah, you know, everybody everybody talks about this the uh, Civil War reenactors, but they never tell you about the Golden Girls reenactors and the Seinfeld reenactors who are out there busting their butts every day so we can have reruns of things. Yeah, I I don't know. It was uh, it was yeah, it was a uh, uh, shocking and surprising and beautiful TV moment and he hasn't missed a step out there in the jungle. He is just as charismatic as ever. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess, so this set up the, uh, uh, I, I will say, I knew that he, this episode was gonna include him. I didn't know what it was gonna be about. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't read the plot or anything. And there's something about this very brief interaction that he has with Brad, Mark, Jill, and, and Tim that I already knew what the episode was gonna be about. And maybe it's because I did see it 20 years ago, but um, that somewhere in the recesses of my brain, I was able to recall a sense of what we were about to see. But immediately, I related to what the story was going to be about. Like I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, 
yeah, there there's a sort of distance now to and a weirdness to having the character like it, it felt foreign to have him walk in the door again. Yes, absolutely. And it's only been nine episodes. <laughs> and, and that's what I thought was so really powerful and effective about this episode is him coming back suddenly makes you realize how much has changed. And the episode like executes that very well because suddenly we're kind of seeing this through Randy's eyes and it's like, oh yeah, there's three different people in the house and now suddenly Al's doing, Mm -hmm. you know, Al's in the the decorations contest and there's all this chaos. And having Randy come into the middle of it with kind of already the, the table has been set with all the other things going on and just all of this chaos swirling around him and it, it doesn't even feel like uh, oh, Randy's neglectful family doesn't want to see him because you also know everything that Tim and Jill and the rest of the gang are going through and how pressing, you know, for right. the stakes of the show, at least, it is. Um, so it doesn't... Well, yeah. what, well, I was going to say, what is interesting, it, it makes it, I think, so true to life is that he's coming back for the holidays. He's coming back for Christmas. And, you know, Christmas time is out of the norm of routine generally for a family, whether or not you're you're in it or you're coming back for it. Yeah. So the fact that he's stepping into such a, a tumultuous, weird, you know, time anyway, I think just adds distance to it. But that's the time I think when people make those trips back home. That's when mm-hmm. they reconnect with family. So the it's playing on a couple of levels there that I think is kind of interesting. Like when I first moved away I, I was gone for, let's see, July, August, September, October, November, December. Uh, I was gone for six months before I came back home. So that's almost mm-hmm. the exact amount of time between when Randy left the show and now. Ooh. And I, I I went back for the holidays, and it was a very similar sensation of like, oh, there, there's like a hot second where everyone's like real excited to see you, and they you know they make promises of wanting to – to hear what's going on with you, but then they get caught up in, in, oh, I got to get the cookies out of the oven or, you know, we got to get to this place to have dinner on time and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, that you realize how less important you are (laughs) to just the everyday mechanics of, of making life work. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're getting, I'm getting all these assurances of, of, you know, love and happiness and everything. And, and you know that these people are glad that you're there but at the same time, you're just being presented with very real evidence of, oh, yeah, they've continued living their lives without me. They are all doing just fine. And <laughs> right. me being back here now, it's like pleasant distraction, but they're still doing their own thing. I, yeah, that's a whole ass feeling. It's a whole ass feeling. I think, okay, also, and this is, you know, that's that's a very... That's a very good point, and I think that is something that this episode, you know, deals with a lot, is that notion of feeling out of place. And I'm going to go off of that and talk about something utterly stupid uh, and trifling. <laughs> Great. Uh, we aren't grunt work if we don't. Uh, yes, of course. Uh, we aren't We aren't my scatterbrained train of thought and note-taking process if we don't. Um, <laughs> when uh, Marty and his daughters are there uh, decorating the tree, well, no, it's Jill decorating Mar- with Marty. Marty isn't daughters. there, by the way. Yeah, yeah Marty. It's just it, her... Yeah, Mar- Marty is at work or something like that, always off at some different job. Jill is decorating the tree with uh, his daughters. Uh, yes. Jill asks them which one of them wants to put the angel on the tree. They look at one another sadly and announce that the the family tradition is always for mommy and daddy to put the tree topper on it together. 
And I just saw, oh, well, uh, yet another uh, important family Christmas tree topper tradition, just like Santa Claus 3. Um, <laughs> a, a movie that would not come out for another 10 years or so, but it seems like all of the same concepts were swirling around. You know, that seems to be the case quite often with Tim Allen stuff, doesn't it? There's just, there there were a bunch of concepts that he was sort of, uh, you know, he that he absorbed in the 70s and the 80s, and then the rest of his career was just exploring them in different ways. I, I admire his consistency. <laughs> yeah, but other than that, oh, and I think also worth mentioning, Randy's return trip, uh, this is actually maybe will take us back into nuanced territory, so perhaps I should have said this before I talked about the stupid Santa Claus 3 connection. Uh, Randy's trip back was a surprise. No one knew he was going to be there. No one was expecting right. him, which is both um, imp- an impressive and, and sweet move, but also kind of a dick move when your house is already overcrowded and there are uh, in a state of chaos. Like maybe they would want to know that they have an <laughs> extra person to feed and uh, and bed or not bed, uh, give a bed to. Yeah, agreed. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know. There's something to be said about the surprise element. I drove across the country to surprise my parents once. Oh, were they? And, but and, granted, I'm an only child, and they're not <laughs> housing an entire <laughs> entire additional family. So I guess it doesn't equate exactly. But well, did they? Well, did they put aside their uh, obsessive attention to the uh, Christmas decoration contest to say hello to you, or were you just kind of a blip on the radar at that point? <laughs> uh, I'm. I'll put it this way: I'm never a blip on the radar. Oh. I am the radar. That's okay. Again, this is only child culture at work. Um, <laughs> have you got uh, Have you got more for this scene, or are we are we on to the next next in our cavalcade of Christmas? Yeah, let's go to the basement. <laughs> well, well. Um, yeah. So Randy uh, Randy goes down into the basement bedroom that uh, that used to be his that now Mark and Brad are sharing, and uh, the place is totally disgusting. And uh, then Brad and Mark come in. And they're laughing about a prank they played on uh, Tim up on the roof. But uh, uh, when Randy tries to ask what was going on, it, it's some sort of inside joke and they can't really explain it to him. You just had to be there. And uh, then in conversation with them, he you know, just becomes clear to Randy that they don't really understand where he's been or care particularly about what he's doing there. Yeah. Mark says, how is Puerto Rico? How's Puerto Rico? And Randy goes, Costa Rica. And Mark goes, oh, I guess you haven't been getting my letters. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I think, one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite Mark jokes in a while. That was pretty good. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. I, 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 I can't. You're going to have to focus on the narrative in this. I can't get past just the mess. Yeah. As an only child. <laughs> Some episodes where we really lean into our heritage, and this is one of them. <laughs> I, this room gives me anxiety oh. in a way I can't quite articulate. I, it was so upsetting to me, not just the appearance of the room, but also the concept of, I have just gotten off a very long plane flight. I have come home. Oh God, I don't have like a space of my own that I can occupy and close the door. <laughs> right. What what hell is this? And that place is messy. Yes. Uh... I, it's so messy. Could you okay? So this was always a question on the like, um, uh, dating apps. You know, to the get to know you stuff is like, could you date and live with a messy person? Mm-hmm. I, it, 
Are you asking? Uh, oh, asking you, oh, oh, you're I not. You're asking. not making a statement about dating apps. You were asking that to me as a question. I could. Yes. I can. I can live with a cluttered person. I cannot live with a messy person. Like cl- clutter. Oh, there's books and paperwork stacked in in places and out. And this needs to be. Things need to be straightened up and put back in their in their places. That's right. I do a lot of that. That I can handle. Uh, food left out. Uh, dishes. It not. Like, dishes left in the sink is bad enough. Dishes in bedrooms with food on them and socks sticking sock to them. Sucked to them? Yeah. Uh, no, no, absolutely not. Categorically, no. Not with how I am about bugs. I take it, I mean, <laughs> obviously you are the same way. I mean, I've been to your house. Uh, I'm, I, okay. I, people come to my house and and if they aren't prepared for it, they can get overwhelmed and I understand it. I, I have a lot of stuff. I like to be surrounded by things I love, Mm -hmm. but I call it organized chaos. Yeah. (laughs) Where there's not really, I like to have something that reminds me of a memory or an experience or something I like in every way, every direction I look, Mm -hmm. but also dimensionally. So like I can just, I'm putting up shelves that that bookend my nook right now mm-hmm. on either side, and I'm gonna like the overall aesthetic of that. But yeah. on those shelves, you know, if you step one closer, you'll look at you know, oh, this series of books, and then in front of those books, I might have a little, you know, a couple action figures and you know, other things set up in a tableau. So like dimensionally, I'm setting up, uh, you know, the kind of depth of things. But there's always a rhyme and reason to it. Mm-hmm. I can't do just mess. I can't just do, well, these toys are going to go somewhere, so just throw them haphazardly on that shelf. Yeah. Uh, I can't do the, well, I'm done wearing these pants for today, so I'm just going to take them off and leave them right here. <laughs> oh, man. But you, but but have you tried it, though? Have you, have you tried <laughs> that? First one's free, kid. <laughs> take those pants off and leave them. They'll be there later. <laughs> I I mean I do that in my closet. Mm, you no, know, come out of the closet the that I can shut and not <laughs> do it everywhere. <laughs> I uh yeah. I I mean look, I no, I I I get it and I did feel that same level of like just sleep sleeping in a in an unsanitary and messy place is uh very difficult and very gross and very very hard. And th- scenes like this made me really glad to <laughs> not have been put in those situations by virtue of my yes. parents calling it quits after one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Yes. Okay. That's all okay. I had about that. That just, yes, everybody clean up, go clean your room right now. Listeners. Uh, <laughs> if, if you've got chores to do, the first one you should prioritize while you listen to our podcast is cleaning your room. Um, there you go. So uh, we go next to, well, that scene ends with uh, Randy asking for his sport coat. If they, if they know where it is and they pull yeah. it out from under a, a pile of other stuff, and it's so wrinkled that it looks like, um... He, he says, this looks like the face of the oldest woman in our village, which is... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the, the point is that he needs it for the church service. Uh, yeah. We go then from that to the entire family getting back to the house from church. So this is, uh, Marty and his daughters, Tim, Jill, well, wait, the I, boys. I, yeah? I, listen, I don't want to belabor the point, but I, I want to really just make sure we're hitting the theme home, where, you know, they are... Brad and uh, Mark are kind of sharing in this. You had to yes. be there moment, and and it's it's 
you know, the second domino in this this series that's falling um, of Randy not being able to, to fit in. Obviously, he's going to be sleeping on the floor in a sleeping bag in his own room with two brothers who are caught up in some hijinks that he's not involved in. Uh, that's got to be weird to step into. Uh, yes, absolutely. And yeah, I think also Jill has been in there earlier and even kind of makes some comment about like, oh yeah, well you can sleep on the couch and then gets called away to do something else. So it's not just, it's not just that his brothers have moved on past him, but that his parents kind of are just like, oh yeah, whatever. I don't know. Figure something out. Uh, sleep on the couch. <laughs> Welcome home. Right. Um, I'm seeing, seeing this happen. You know, it's, it is, it was uh, upsetting based on just our own history. And then also it's upsetting because we're invested in Randy. I like, with Randy knowing that, okay, he's not, but he's not going to deal with this by having some big angry outburst or doing something really regrettable. Like, you know, he's right. You can see that he's kind of hurt by this, but it's just that this is something he's dealing with and processing, not with something that's going to make him flip out in a theatrical sitcom-y way. <laughs> right. Well, okay. And just to kind of give an, a, a real life proxy to this, like when I moved out and the first time I came back, Again, to my organized chaos that overwhelms some people, that the, the epitome of that person is my mom. Mm -hmm. And so she was like, when I went to my bedroom for the first time after I moved out, it was kind of, she like kept my bed and a couple other things, but like the posters were down. <laughs> uh, the, you know, the bookcase was there with, you know, my books and stuff, but everything was just clean and my, I feel like my personality had been taken out of it mm -hmm. yet. She still insisted, well, that's always going to be your room. I'm like, but my room's gone. You, you, you changed my room yeah. from what my room was. Granted, it's still the same four walls and the same bed I slept in, but it's void of the land in essence. <laughs> and you know, she had to do what she had to do. I'm not of complaining course. about it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I, you know, so I can kind of feel for Randy here where he walks in and it's like, well, this is, this might be technically what was my room, but this is not my room. <laughs> and it's, it is really a cool way of representing just visually on screen, the changes that have mm -hmm. gone on since, since he's left, uh, you know, cause the, we, we haven't seen this, uh, the set since Brad and Mark moved into it. No, we have not. And it's, and it's a visually distinctive set. I mean, it's got a lot of weird furniture that was yeah. cool in the mid nineties when Tim built it for Randy. Um, <laughs> but I mean, we're truly in Randy's shoes right now, seeing this set for the first time since he left. And like, I don't know, it was a, an interesting way to have us experience that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. It was a weird way okay. to experience that. Um, that's all I got for this scene. Yeah. Um, well, so after this scene, then we go to the entire family coming home from church. We've got, uh, Marty and his daughters, Tim and Jill, all three of the boys. We have Tim's mom and we have Tim's other brother and Landon. Do I remember what his name is? You bet I don't. <laughs> Jeff. Jeff. We have Jeff. Uh, and they, uh, hey, all come in because they open one present on Christmas Eve. Weird. Although I guess this is like christmas at grandma's i guess so maybe it's okay anyway they all open they all open their presents the girls go off to bed uh tim's mom starts talking shit to marty for not sticking it out in a loveless marriage forever uh, and and how bad it is for the girls that this is happening uh and then as the uh fight starts to kind of go out of control brad suggests that everybody opens some more gifts 
Uh, Randy gives Tim his gift that is for the whole family, and it's a card certifying that a tree in the rainforest is now being protected in their names. Uh, and this, no one really knows what to do with this. Nobody really uh, seems to appreciate this. And then everybody uh, goes running outside to look at the new Christmas lights that uh, Mark and Brad have got for Tim and have already put up on the roof. And then Randy is left uh, alone in the house uh, on Christmas Eve with all his family outside, marveling at some blinking lights. Uh, setting his own card. Like, the, the cards have been passed around and found their way back to Randy, who is like, well, I gave them to you. I guess they're okay. I'll oh, I didn't. Them here and go outside. Oh, I didn't even real. I didn't even catch that piece of, of uh, business, I guess, that they, they pass the cards all the way around. Oh, look what Randy got. And then they just hand it back to him. Oh, man, that's good. That's good staging. Yeah. I just want to start right out at the beginning of the scene with yeah. the clown car door. <laughs> Of all the people coming in. <laughs> as soon as the door opened, because I didn't expect to see Marty and Tim's mom and Jeff and the twins, you know, like <laughs> the door opened and just what, people just kept coming. I'm like, what's going on? When does this end? Mr. Binford is there. Uh, you know, <laughs> that that agent from, from the Morgan Fairchild episode is there. Irv oh Schmayman is back. Rodney Dangerfield comes in. <laughs> Like the like, and yet Sir Larry still stuck in the thing. Well, yeah, the but trunk. yeah, but touchdown Rick wheels the truck of the trunk in, so you get the same effect. It's it, <laughs> once Perfect. again, it's like the Muppet Show. It's the last uh, the last scene where all the Muppets that have ever existed are all there singing. Aww. It's every single character. I hope we get something like that. Uh, you know that would be really nice. The the very last episode, every all of them all grunting once to see us off. Um, <laughs> but they don't count. No, 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 no. Only if it's Tim. Um, yeah, so, I don't know, the girls get, uh, Little Miss Binford pink toolboxes, um, that's, that's a thing, um, <laughs> it doesn't need to be commented on more than that. No, it, yeah, I mean, it, we do that's get- That's a product that they invested in. We, we do get bits, then, of Tim going through the toolboxes after the girls have gone to bed, and as this- you know, as his mom is attacking Marty for having the temerity to uh, end a marriage that isn't going well, and as Jeff is uh, getting mad at Marty for having the the gall to defend himself against his mother, you know, the camera keeps cutting back to Tim, and he's just offering up like, "Oh, look at the tiny little hammer they put in this thing. That sure is cool." Which is, <laughs> I, you know, I. I, I Part of a, a trend that has been going on for, I think, most of the series and that seems also to be escalating in recent episodes of just a fight happening and between two people and Tim in the background just trying to distract people by talking about dumb stuff. Yes. I don't know. I kind of like that that version of Tim. Yeah. Yeah. The, never, you know, he, he doesn't, he, never, he wants to be a peacemaker, which in fact is something he uses to describe himself, perhaps mm -hmm. not in this episode, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he. I don't know. It's 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 fun to have a fight be happening where Tim is not being hostile. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Um. I got nothing else for that scene. I. I think I, I would. I don't know. I, I felt for Randy in a major way in this scene too, just because this is one of the clearest demonstrations of just the. You know, causes are so important to Randy, and you know the things that he's in, mm -hmm. involved in are so important to Randy. And the gift that he's gotten for everyone is very meaningful to him, and it really means something. 
And I also agree that it is sort of a lame gift, but just how how little everyone understands it at all. Like Tim, Tim, you know, he's oh, okay. This tree's been preserved in your honor, and Tim goes, "Oh, great! So later we can go cut it down." <laughs> and it, right. you know, it's just one of the. It, it's I I I feel like it's a very lonely moment for Randy, and I really feel it for him. You know, like the the way that that he must feel like an outsider just <laughs> looking in with his own family. He feels like the odd man out and it's, it's kind of brutal in and in an effective way. Yeah. I, uh, I completely agree. Although I, I, I don't know. I think I disagree with the, it being a, a lame gift. I, I listen, we can buy ourselves anything at any given time now. Uh, it's true. And you know how much thought is really being put into gifts these days. Just look at someone's wish list, or you know, you're gonna know if they want something and need something that they don't have or can't get. A hundred percent. I the the idea behind buying gifts to me, and I guess maybe just in my life, is kind of dumb. I I would be much more touched by someone donating to a cause they know I liked. Granted, it is Randy donating to a cause. <laughs> that he likes but at the same time like he's literally putting his life on the line for it yeah uh so he his body is in costa rica doing this work so yeah i have a lot of different opinions about it but if randy gave me a tree i it would be my favorite gift of the year i'll just say that okay look yes those are all those are all really good points i it, i am harsh to call it a lame gift i guess i would say i can understand why a sitcom character would get that and not react to it in a in a really <laughs> yes. effusive and happy way i agree with you uh that would you know i would much rather get that than someone giving me some you know uh, stupid gadget that they saw on tv that has taken up packaging and now is going to clutter up a part of my house until the one time that i need to like automatically polish my shoes or something um <laughs> yeah i don't know i i think we we've hit the the notes in that scene um yes so let's go to the rooftop because everyone's going outside to see because uh, did we mention that Brad and Mark have got Tim a gift of, of lights? Yes. That he's like, well, there's no lights in here. Did you say this? Yeah. Yeah. They, they got him a box of lights and he says, yeah, the box is empty. And they say, cause we already put them up on the roof and that's why yeah. everyone runs out. And so out. they all rush out to go look at it. And yeah. uh, so they all go up to the roof to, to check this out. And um, we go to the rooftop, but it's not the Taylor's rooftop, is it? No, it's not the Taylor's rooftop. In fact, it's Al's rooftop, and he and Trudy have found a harpoon embedded in one of their elves, and I initially wrote that down as Alves, and I thought it was very funny. Um, and they're, they can't imagine who would do such an awful thing, and then they turn and look, and up on Tim's roof, we see Tim has a pair of binoculars, and behind him there is a wise man with a harpoon gun, and Tim goes, just a skosh to the right, Balthazar. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah... He's trying to shoot the the Santa with the harpoon gun. I, um, it's a it's a split second scene, but I do want to call out the uh, special effects because mm -hmm. the the reflection in the binoculars is a, a computer generated oh, effect. Okay, okay. Echoes of that one scene in Chinatown, where he's up on the roof with the camera, and you see uh, you see Hollis Mulray uh, reflected in the the lens of the camera, hey. which also had to be composited in. Uh, go on. Yeah. Well, I, I was just gonna say it's really kind of intricate because it's uh, um, 
rack focus as well. It starts with the, you know, the lenses of the binoculars in focus, and then it, it shifts focus deeper in to Tim behind the, uh, the binoculars. Mm. And even the, the composite goes out of focus. And it was like, I don't know, a lot of, a lot of work went into that one kind of toss away moment. I mean, the, the same kind of level of thought and preparation that goes into telling Debbie Dunning to pretend to brush snow yes. off a camera lens at the start of the episode. It, yeah, it's it's last season of the show energy. Let's let's do a a <laughs> particularly complicated shot for a one off gag that most people won't notice. I also I also just don't know why Tim is having the wise men shoot harpoon guns. Why doesn't he shoot the harpoon gun? Is it not a crime if you have an animatronic wise man do it? Is that the loophole we're exploiting? I I guess so. Plausible yeah. deniability. So then the next morning, it's Christmas Day, and Randy comes upstairs from his bedroom, and Jill is there. They're the first ones up, and Jill says that she's glad that they've got a chance to talk alone, And but before they can really start, you know, Randy starts to launch into what he's up to and how he's doing, but then the girls come running up, and everyone else comes in wanting to open Christmas presents, and uh, Randy is not able to have a moment with his mom. How did yeah. this scene make you feel, Landon? <laughs> did this affect you uh, a little bit yeah um i mean i kind of was on board with the concept already by this point um there there's you know okay this is how it hit me and it, it, i think it hit me in a way i wasn't quite i don't know it kind of gave me a new perspective on my life mm-hmm. oh wow uh, and, okay and so my history it affected you a little but it also gave you a new perspective on your life that's pretty good well now that i'm talking it out i realize it uh, it it I don't know, maybe hit me in a way I wasn't quite expecting, which was, I don't know, it didn't hit me quite emotionally, but it, it gave me a new lens uh, in which to look at how my experience in coming home. I, you know, when I came back from L.A. back to, you know, Michigan and whenever I was visiting, I never had an expectation that people are just going to inherently be interested in my experience, you know, being out there and, and what I'm doing, yeah. nor did I really have a desire to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But I, I definitely remember of like the, the depth of talking about it was never quite the level of what I guess I maybe anticipated. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I didn't really have expectations and certainly, you know, didn't feel entitled to people asking me more questions, but I do remember like driving back home going, Oh, after that entire trip, no one really knows what my life is like now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I and was that just compounded years after years after years of going home. Yeah. You kind of become, you feel yourself becoming a stranger in real time. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I know, I know what you mean. And I, um, yeah, I have I have felt that same thing because it's also just I don't know. I've even felt that when people would ask me how things were going in L.A. or what I was up to, I I ultimately was like, what what is there to explain? Like I I sit around and I write scripts and sometimes I go to bars and like that is all very meaningful to me. But I can't really like if you're not there, you don't get it much in the same way that they're having experiences <laughs> and relationships that I will never understand that make no sense to me because yeah. I'm not there for it. Um, I don't know. This, this scene, this scene for me was really, I, I think first and foremost, j- just because of the chemistry that we've always felt between Patricia Richardson and Jonathan Taylor Thomas and yeah. 
how how much I don't know we have we have rightfully or wrongfully piled onto that and how much we we feel like they really work <laughs> together and so seeing seeing this opportunity offered up for them to have a heart to heart because I feel like you know he's closer to you know he loves his parent both his parents but he and his mom have kind of a closer more emotionally open relationship uh I was excited at the prospect of seeing it and then when the girls come running in screaming about Christmas and it's snatched away I f- I felt it I was like. You know, I felt like like the opportunity to see that conversation being snatched away from me was depriving yeah. me of something. In a weird way, this episode, the kind of, I don't know, lack of satisfying nature of it is indicative of the theme of the episode. Yeah. It's weird that way. I And it, this, is, this is what conceptually works. Like, there is stuff here that they're executing that is really good, like really kind of unusually subtle for a sitcom and for this sitcom and kind of understated a little bit. And I, I don't know. I, I, I like, I like seeing it and I wish that it was, um, I wish that it was more, but it's, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't felt some of these things quite so acutely in other types of media that have dealt with it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. This is the kind of like difference between we, that we've talked about for eight seasons now of like, because it's a sitcom, I have certain I, – I, I hate having expectations of anything. I like to meet everything where it is so that it can explore new things and not have to coteau to you know me. But as a sitcom, I'm like, but I it, it is a sitcom. I want it to be satisfying. Mm-hmm. Whereas if this were a, a movie, if this were you know a miniseries, if this was something that had more space to explore these things, I would be more apt to take the – you know, nuanced ending, the nuanced approach to it. Like, I don't know. I maybe it's maybe it's that this episode doesn't have a satisfying conclusion mm. uh, of it all coming together. Like, we'll get to the scene in a minute after the Wilson scene, but like, it just kind of doesn't have the space it needs to have the ending be as satisfying as I want it to be. Yeah, yeah. I anyway. Uh, yeah, no, it, by by the time we're getting to the ending, it's like, I feel like I needed more. Like, we're uh, we're underway with something good, but we're underway with, like, 45 minutes worth of, of something that I right. want to explore. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, um, let's go to the backyard where Wilson's waiting for us. Yes, Wilson, Wilson's always waiting. Randy goes out back, and he and Wilson speak at some length in Spanish to each other before uh, they start talking about what's been going on since randy's been back randy explains why he feels like he doesn't fit in anymore and how uh, he feels like he's a total outsider in his own uh home and that you know he feels like to quote thomas wolf you can't go home again and then wilson counters that you can go home again but you may not be coming home to the same home uh and mm-hmm. they talk about how yeah you need to just understand that the people you love still love you but their lives go on and that's okay and it's okay to be sad about it and Randy expresses concern that he's going to go back to Costa Rica without getting a chance to talk to his parents. And, uh, and Wilson says, well, well, don't let that happen. Go, you make, you make that happen. You make space for yourself, which is good. Good Wilson advice. Solid Wilson yeah. advice. Good, good work this week, Wilson. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I'm put in mind of one of my favorite filmmakers, uh, who I think encapsulates this idea really well. Mick G. Uh, when he talks about his films and, reapproaching them, you know, for restorations or just kind of the ongoing um you know, assessment of them. Mm-hmm. He's like 
movies and films are like people and rivers. At no point is the same man going to walk into the same river. Either the man will be changed or the river will be changed. Wow, I man, I didn't realize that Michael Bay was such a deep guy. That's a, that's a beautiful <laughs> quote. It, yeah, Wong Kar Wai. Uh, I to mention that. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think that's a, that's a really um, that's a really beautiful way of, of of looking at it. I think Wilson could have offered up that quote just as well and gotten him to um, to the same <laughs> point. I like that when, and this is coming off the previous scenes. You know, it seems like how's Randy going to react to all these things happening? And I had been worried that he was going to make a fuss. And I, what I love about Randy is that he just comes straight to Wilson and that he just is open about what he's feeling. And just, he needs someone to talk about right. his feelings with, and he doesn't have to go through the song and dance of Tim being angry or upset at someone <laughs> about it and having Wilson explain to him that he's actually wrong. It's more just, he explains what he's thinking about and, and Wilson gives him a new perspective. Yeah. I know. I, I mean, it's a, I don't know it works. It's a, it's a good Wilson scene. Okay. Uh, and as long as we're talking about good things in this scene, uh, you know, Wilson tells Randy, you can go home again, but you may not be coming home to the same home. And Randy goes, yeah, you're right. Why did I think time would just stand still? And Wilson goes, I've often wondered the same thing. I've got a machine uh, yeah. in my basement that can slow it down, but I just can't make it stop. <laughs> so also, we just saw Wilson's basement. We So apparently yeah. there's a lot of wonderful things down there. He, he's they're leaning into Wilson just like do you remember that moment in UHF when the technician at the very end it's says alien well face. my job here is done and then he turns into an alien and <laughs> and gets beamed up yes I kind of feel like they're <laughs> leaning in that direction for Wilson by the end of the series <laughs> I, I would love it that would be one of the strongest creative choices <laughs> the show has made also they already have creepy claymation stuff happening on this right? show and and that that dude in UHF's alien face is the second scariest thing after Large Marge in Pee Wee's Big Adventure uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, I think they're definitely going in that direction and uh, wholehearted approval. So, yeah, I, I, the only other thing I have to say about the Wilson scene is I don't know if it's a Christmas tradition or if they've just done this joke 7,000 times, but Wilson's out there roasting his nuts and they make a roasting his nuts joke. They make a roasting his nuts joke. They also, but then they make it in Spanish. Well, this time it's in Spanish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is for our friends, uh, friends south of the border way. Um, I, I, was so disappointed that they didn't have this entire scene in Spanish. I oh, I, I would have loved that. I, I would have loved that too. I and I also am wondering. Okay, is is JTT bilingual or did he learn these phonetically? I don't know. I just I just I I <laughs> I, I attribute I attribute all the best things to him. I guess I just assume that yeah, Jonathan Taylor Thomas speaks Spanish. Why wouldn't he? He's not an idiot <laughs> like you who can't speak Spanish. What I also love is that the way that this scene ends is an elf falls into frame from the the roof of the Taylor house, and Randy grabs yeah. it and starts climbing the ladder up to take it back to his dad. I actually thought that this was going to go in a different direction, that Tim had overheard everything, and mm. that was going to be the impetus for the, the final conversation, but... And we get to the same place, you know, easy enough anyway. The the, ta- the Taylor house is 15 stories tall. You can't hear a word uh, that's being spoken down in the down I in the backyard. So. <laughs> well, and spoiler alert, when Tim falls off the roof at the end of this, like he falls for a long time. Yeah, no, it's 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 like falling off the, you know, 45th floor of the Hudsucker Industries building. It takes you a while <laughs> to get to the bottom. <laughs> He's Hans Gruber, just <laughs> Nakatoba Plaza <laughs> all the way down. Uh so 
uh, anyway, Randy takes the fallen uh, elf and carries it uh, up the ladder uh, to the rooftop, which is lined with all kinds of military-themed elves. And uh, he yeah he gives it back to his dad, and they're talking, and Tim starts asking him about Costa Rica and how it's been up there, and then Jill comes up with hot chocolate for them, and... Tim and Jill and Randy all just kind of chat for the first time about how everything has changed and how, you know, as as much as stuff has changed, he's always going to be their son and he'll always have a home wherever they are. And then Tim falls off the roof, which reminds Randy that some things never change. <laughs> Uh, I think Tim Taylor is the only person who shops for Christmas decorations at the Army Surplus store. It's, I mean, I know this is from the 90s, but if if you had a neighbor who put up military-themed <laughs> Christmas decorations, gas masks, yeah. uniforms. 2023, you would be on a list. Oh, my God. you Like, that, uh, people would be moving out of the neighborhood. There would be, <laughs> yeah, I would be, I would. I, I actually... I have a lot of conversations with a friend who lives here in Madison who is interested in real estate and the questions that arise, especially in a, a election year, mm. trying to sell your property when there's signage out front. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and depending on how far outside the city the property you want to buy is, it's like, okay, so are we militia adjacent? How's the, uh, you know, <laughs> right? how's the right. gun district? Uh, yeah. I, I like, though, that when Jill comes up with the hot chocolate, uh, she hands it to them and she says, hey, remember the time we went camping and I made hot chocolate with melted candy bars and toothpaste? Oh, yeah, I didn't do man. that this time. <laughs> I'm glad you made that note that you remembered. I, I, I am so glad that she remembered because I think about that scene in that in that like season two episode. I if think about that once every two to three days. It's so... Like if you dig into our Instagram archives, I put the recipe for that up. Oh back God! In season two, when that happened, I yeah the 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 recipe for that. If you read it out loud, it will bring the dead to life. So nobody nobody speak that first. <laughs> I mean, it's just such a disgusting concept. Melted candy bars, and then what 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 person would think to put toothpaste? Why would you put toothpaste in this disgusting chocolate Pe- peppermint? <laughs> peppermint hot chocolate you haven't had peppermint hot chocolate i i mean i have i have accidentally swallowed toothpaste and nearly puked and then had horrible (laughs) debilitating gas followed by room clearing flatulence for like an hour as like the stuff reacted in my stomach and created huge bubbles and pressure so i have a pretty strict don't ingest toothpaste policy and i would certainly not serve it to my loved ones as food okay i mean you're getting no argument for me about the don't ingest toothpaste. I guess I was more – you asked why would she do that. I guess maybe I was confused of what she was trying to accomplish, which was to make a, a, a refreshing peppermint hot chocolate, not the why would she do that to their intestinal tract. Yeah, no, no, that's that's all – like, yeah, I get the I get the intention. It's just the methodology that baffles okay. me. It's like, it's like, oh, I, you know, here, enjoy this tray of dessert cookies that I made for you. I wanted them to taste like almonds, so I put cyanide on them. It's like, well, that's not <laughs> – that's not solving anything. I don't care what kind of thing you wanted to make me. You were trying to kill me. 
<laughs> or at least give me awful, awful farts. So anyway, I'm sorry we had to go there and on Christmas of all holidays, but oh I'm Lord. glad that I'm glad that Jill brought it up. Yeah, and this this is the like this is the thing. I feel like they just this is what's missing. Is like I'm glad this scene exists. I don't really want to change anything with it, but like they they make amends and then it's over. Like that's this is the end of the episode. We go to the stinger where we're looking at the the Christmas decoration competition and we don't get that satisfying rejoining the family like mm-hmm. we don't get a satisfying moment with Randy and Brad and Mark or yeah. Randy and, and you know the whole family together and the interactions it's just like oh we made amends goodbye <laughs> yeah like the, the, I I wanted like space for one more really satisfying like see him you know fall back into the the banter of delivering you know snarky remarks to people and you know falling a little bit back into the the familiar pattern that we know and love we we don't get that uh, yeah you know what what it is crying out for is a scene with him and mark and brad where he where they fall back into the dynamic the three of them had that we are used to and then it needs a scene with the whole family together gathered with um you know maybe with marty and his daughters as well but with uh, kind of just traditional stuff happening where everybody's doing bits and Randy is just making commentary on the side, making jokes about like just one scene mm-hmm. of like, Hey, a lot has changed, but Randy still fits into this picture. And, and here's what it looks yeah. like. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We don't get that, unfortunately. And so it just kind of ends on a, a heartfelt note, but one that isn't quite as strong as I would have liked for our final goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. This whole scene, I, I liked I liked this scene at first, but now knowing this was the last ever JTT scene, I don't like it quite as much. The whole thing feels yeah. a little a little traumatic now, in fact. Um Why don't we go to a stinger? I wanna say one other thing. There is oh, okay. there is uh, he mentions that he misses the Chinese restaurant Fu Wong's and Tim and Jill t- Jill tell him, Oh, that, that place is closed down. Like he, Randy's talking about things he misses from from Royal Oak and it, yeah. th- this Chinese food is one of them. And it's like, Oh yeah, that place closed, which is sort of a poignant like, yep, that's another piece of your childhood that's gone, but life moves on, you know. Tim says, now it's been replaced by Tanaka Sushi and Live Bait. D- stupid joke. How many seconds of laughter? 13 unbroken seconds <laughs> of laughter. And they that may not sound like a long time to you, but take out your phone and take out your stopwatch and time out 13 <laughs> seconds. It's a long time. I I have, I earmarked this and have a theory about it. Yeah. Well, I, I want to I, let's get through the rest of the episode because it'll be natural to circle back to it. OK. All right. Well, then I I, I look forward to having that discussion because I just, you know, I, okay. this could not have been the first sushi bait shop joke. I mean, the 90s were <laughs> no, the, the 90s. They were very diligent about bashing Japanese culture. OK. Um, but yeah, so let's go to the let's go to the stinger then. Yep. Uh, it is. Um, uh, remind me, did Al win the competition? Uh, yeah, so uh, so the the whole family, the whole Taylor family, is looking up at Al's house, and they're talking about how Al has won the competition, and mm-hmm. uh, the boys comment on how uh, lifelike the animatronics are, and then the Taylors all walk away, and then we get a close up on the roof of the house, and it turns out that uh, Al is up there dressed as Santa Claus, and Trudy is there dressed as Mrs. Claus, doing just kind of animatronic, like, she's handing him a gift, he's taking the gift, she's handing, like, just back and forths, 
and mm-hmm. uh, they have just been doing this constantly. And now that no one is looking, they stop, but then find out that uh, Trudy's feet have frozen to the roof and Al is stuck in the chimney and they are trapped. Um, uh, which I wonder if, I mean, is do you think there's anything in the competition rule book that says you can't have live people in your display? I mean, I don't know. But is this a, I guess my question is, is this disqualifying behavior? That's, that's something that I would have liked to have seen borne out in a full episode about this concept. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. look, I personally, if I were a judge and I was like, you wanted to win that bad. Okay, dude, enjoy your trophy. Your Enjoy your $15 <laughs> trophy. Uh, you spent the entire night in 20 degree temperatures performing the same repetitive action at age 35 or 40 when your back is starting to go. Um, then we go to the outtakes. Yes. And the outtakes are just, it's it's one outtake, mm-hmm. uh, but a couple variations on it. And mm-hmm. it's to your sushi joke. Yes. Tim initially says, oh yeah, that's gone and it's been replaced by Ahmed's uh, falafel and discount cigarettes. Yeah. And he can't get through saying it without laughing. Mm-hmm. Last week I had proposed that Tim was approaching the desk at the the floral counter and giving the clerk a different name every single time. Yeah. And that's why there were outtakes there of that. Mm. I Mm -hmm. wonder if Tim was improvising different things every time and couldn't get through it so that the 13 seconds you hear in the actual episode is he threw one out there that they got through and so it's less a, a it's kind of a cheat because it's less of an applause at the joke than it is the performers doing their job <laughs> okay well yeah it's it's as much of a cheat as uh being your own animatronics on your uh homes decorations <laughs> right. in the in the decoration <laughs> right. contest right uh, I okay, that's that's a very good observation. I that feels like what it is. But, I I and it, it's made me it's made me recontextualize this whole season. Mm. Like, was Tim not able to get through that fucking door in the monkey costume, the winged oh. monkey costume? Did he constantly knock those beads over? Did they fall off the wall? How many takes of that did they do before they finally got through it? And that's why the audience reaction is so big. That that must have been that must have been hours and hours of him trying to go through the door to justify the minute long reaction that him <laughs> getting walking through the door in the monkey suit gets. Um. So yeah. Uh, just so just a just a theory I'm putting out there. I I am just breaking out in a cold sweat thinking about all of the different uh, ethnic food plus. Uh, kind of soft pitch stereotype about said ethnicity combinations that Tim paired up and put out there. I'm glad we only got one other variation. At least, yeah, that made it to air. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> what I'm saying. I just hope the negatives were burned. I I I don't I don't want us to have to consider that because that probably wasn't great. Um, oh boy, yeah. Um, that's the episode, mm-hmm. and we don't have any. We had a lot of character actors, but no new character actors. So we had a, uh, you know, the twins Ashley and Lindsay Trefker uh, mm-hmm. coming back. We had um uh oh, sorry, I closed the page. <laughs> uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, we had no one else, <laughs> uh, just the twins. Yep, no, I'm sorry. I'm here. Uh we had Bonnie Bartlett as Lucille Taylor, the the mom. Uh, Lucille? We had William O'Leary as Marty. We had Marty. Megan Cavanaugh coming back as Trudy. 
Um, so she's a mainstay now. Trudy, uh, Tom Trudy, Sharp Trudy. is Jeff. And um, I think that's it. Well, uh, Zach, uh, Jonathan Tyler Thomas coming back as uh, Taylor Thomas. Yeah, J- John- Taylor. Jonathan, Jonathan Tyler was one of our presidents. Thank you very much. He <laughs> succeeded William Henry Harrison, I think. Um that's, that's, that no, that's, to... that's all the John Tyler content I have for you. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Can't think of any more bits. <laughs> uh, so, Truman, what did we learn from this episode? Uh, we learned, I learned that Jonathan Taylor Thomas isn't coming back, and this is the last time we're going to see him, <laughs> and uh, that it's, I guess it's going to be okay. I guess my life is going to go on without him. Uh, he's my best friend. Uh but, you know, that's fine. Whatever. He, he lives in Costa Rica now. I hope that's working out for him. Um, well, you know what? We here at Gruntwork can send him off in style by not only doing I'll Be Home for Christmas at some point, but um, maybe we can do one final, you know, hurrah for JTT uh, in his own episode before we close the doors on Gruntwork. I, well, I'd like that. I'd like that a lot to get one last, uh, you know, one last bite of the JTT apple gross yeah yeah uh, not good not not good phrasing <laughs> that, for having said that alone i should not be allowed uh to have a bite at the apple or to go near playgrounds uh so what did you learn landon uh you can go home again you can't go home again do you really want to go home at all schrodinger's home that's the that's the situation <laughs> uh just yeah i guess why why i think you need to examine deeper the roots of why you want to go home in the first place wow well okay i'll get i'll get right on that uh okay yeah i guess well <laughs> i guess that's your therapist about next time yeah th- okay next week on grunt work the results of that discussion with my therapist <laughs> that brings us to the final segment mm. of the show mm-hmm. uh-huh. the grunt count Wayne Truman. Up. Before we get into the grunts, um, I just I realized something. What did you realize? I've been practicing that grunt every episode for seasons now. Mm-hmm. I don't. I feel like it's pretty consistent at this point, but yeah. it still doesn't feel like a Tim Allen grunt. And the reason why is that in the theme song when he grunts, there's like an echo on it, mm-hmm. mm. and it, so I I feel like. I'll never be able to achieve the level of grunt that he achieves because, well, I don't know, unless you're willing. <laughs> God, you're as the editor me, uh, of this podcast, oh, are you going to make the audio? Now, okay, produce? all right, I'll oh. save you. I'll save. I'll, I'll save you from it now. But in our series spectacular, maybe maybe apply an echo to my grunt, and we'll see how how close to the actual grunt on the show it is. And look, I, I'll, I'll do that. I mean, I if you're trying to mimic the opening credits grunt, sure. I mean, I think that he's freeballing all the ones on the show. So, true, yeah, true. I, I don't know. But, like, yes, that is something we can absolutely do. I would still recommend, in terms of your practice, maybe just a little bit lower on the timber of that grunt. Just, like, start a little uh, bit lower. Uh, like, it's going to get it really, like, uh, There we go. That, Oh, it's it's hitting lower and higher. Yeah, you got to start lower and higher. That's basically it. I'm not hitting the question mark in it hard. Yeah, yeah, that's that's I think where you need to be. But the one I you gotta, just did that sounded. I got to hit the question mark and the confusion more. Yes, because and and that is really the way he uses it whenever he does use it. Now is him reacting with confusion to something someone has said. So you need to really think <gasps> of it as though you're asking a question. 
Oh, yeah. I did the eyebrows while I did it that time, and it, it, I'm starting to feel it a little. Oh, my goodness. I, I, Truman, in our second half of the last season, I might be seeing an evolution of my own grunt. Oh, my God. Okay. And who says that evolution takes a long time? Sometimes evolution is stagnant for long periods and then just really gets into shape in the last half of the season. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's much like it's much like this this uh, season, like it was stagnant for a while. And then and then now that we're getting down to the wire, all of a sudden they make a lot of progress. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Um, Truman, how many grunts were in this episode? I'm going to say I'm going to say zero, but my gut is telling me I'm wrong. Uh, well, perhaps your gut is telling you that it's hungry because you're right. There were zero grunts in this episode, mm. and you should eat a granola Plenty bar. Plenty of space or something. for him, though. There, there was. It would make sense when he's talking about any of these Christmas supplies or anything like that, or even yeah. the little the little tool toys that he got the girls. But no, no, not a grunt to be found. Wow. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, <laughs> I am hungry. <laughs> well, <laughs> see, there you go. So, what do I get for correctly guessing that you're hungry? I, a chalupa. Wait, no, that no. doesn't solve my problem. Yeah, I know. You got to stop giving <laughs> away your chalupas. If you hadn't done all those chalupa challenges where you like flexed the rules a little bit so I could win and we had to send out chalupas, you'd have the chalupas right now and wouldn't be hungry. How do you oh. feel about that? I feel hungry about that. Okay, well then let's get off the air then. How about that? We'll both all right, let's get out of here. Grunt. Yeah. Grunt work is made possible by our patrons. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to help us create the show, consider becoming an official Grunt Hit sponsor over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod. Listen to us on whatever podcast catcher you listen to us on mm-hmm. and rate us there. Uh, mm-hmm. Leave us a comment, and uh, it helps other people find the show. Please do Stop that. Stop by to say hi to us on Instagram at gruntworkpod or visit our website at www.gruntworkpodcast.com where you can do a whole bunch of things. And until next week... When we bring you yet another episode of Home Improvement, episode 12 yep. of season 8. We're halfway through after next week, buddy. Oh, my God. Pulling on my collar. I've been Landon Solano. I've been Truman Caps. And remember, when you sit down to open your Christmas presents this year, be sure to take one second to stop and say a prayer for the man who we celebrate this holiday for every year. Doc Johnson, the goat of the Christmas light competition. 